Hey folks, welcome to Culture Jacked. You're here with Dustin and Anthony. Just Dustin today because it's the Friday show. And today on the show we're going to talk about, well, really I get wrapped up in my answer to Anthony's question from the Monday podcast. So remember, if you like the show, be sure to subscribe and share it with your pals. So get your headphones on. You're about to get jacked. Welcome back to the podcast, to my side of the thing, to the Friday show. As it, uh, as it quickly is becoming tradition, Anthony asked me what I thought about the upcoming Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5. Now, I did have a regularly scheduled topic for you today, but I've tabled it because my answer, eh, I think it's a little bit longer than just a quick answer uh, for him. But what he, he asked me, what he, he specified, that he wanted to know what my take was on the technical comparison of the two systems. And then he wanted to know further about their ability to sell in the midst of this pandemic or if COVID-19 would delay their production and ultimately their release. And then finally, he asked me if I would be moving up to the next generation and buying one myself. Now, Anthony, if you're listening, and I know you are, I think it's really funny. It's hilarious, actually, that you would ask me my take on the technical aspects of anything. Uh, you know that is so far out of my wheelhouse, but I, I am, of course, if nothing, if not accommodating. Uh, so I'll, uh, I'll take a stab at it. Here we go. Uh, I, I keep hearing this term teraflop being thrown around. So I, I thought first what I needed to do was find out what a teraflop is. And for anyone that's out there listening that already knows what a teraflop is or this is mundane or this is base knowledge that you have and you're rolling your eyes hard at me, just, just calm down and be patient. I, I play games, I don't make games, and this is the first time I've ever been challenged with answering a technical type question. So, <clears throat> to help me answer it, I found an article on a website, Digital Trends, called What is a Teraflop? So if this article can't do it for me, if I can't understand a thing written for the express purpose that I need, um, I'm pretty hopeless. And if I butcher the information therein and you still don't uh, have any idea what a teraflop is, you can head over to Digital Trends, find the article. Uh, again, it's called What is a Teraflop? And you can read and reread it for yourself if you need to. But basically, uh, a teraflop is a unit of measurement for the performance of any given GPU or graphics processing unit. Now, a higher performing GPU is better able uh, to render 3D environments, characters, lighting, and other elements especially significant for gaming applications, which is what we're talking about here today. So, teraflops are flops in the trillions. <laughs> One teraflop 
or T-flop, is equivalent to one trillion flops or floating point calculations. So from what I keep hearing and seeing is the new Xbox is capable of performing at 12 trillion floating point calculations every second on average or 12 teraflops or T-flops. And at the same time, this new PlayStation uh, will be performing at 10.28 uh, teraflops. And I'll get into that disparity between the two here in a minute, but for my own sanity and for uh, the sake of comparison, the PlayStation 4 had a 1.84 teraflop GPU, and then they later upgraded that to the PlayStation 4 Pro that had 4.2 teraflops. The Xbox One, uh, when it was released, started out with 1.31 teraflops and later upgraded to the Xbox One X at six teraflops. And just to give you more of a point of reference going further back for reference, the Xbox 360 was running at 240 gigaflops. So just from the 360 to the Xbox One, that's quite a leap in processing power. And the original Xbox only had 20 gigaflops. Bringing even further back, the original PlayStation, for any of you older gamers out there that remember that one, and Nintendo 64 were around the level of about 100 megaflops. So, uh, you know, if you think about your data on the computer, you got the kilobytes, megabytes, gigabytes, terabytes. And so that's the leap that we've had. Um, just just in the past 20, 25 years, it's, it's pretty crazy. And that's, with all these systems, a whole lot of flops. <laughs> and the further the industry marches into time, the more flops you and I should be prepared for. And from the examples that I, I talked about just a moment ago, you can see that there's an exponential rise in processing power present in all of these home gaming consoles. And I mean, uh, just from this generation to the next one, there has been more than a doubling in processing power between the PlayStation and Xbox alone. So that's, that's very impressive, especially when it's the numbers that we're talking about in terms of processing power in these teraflops. Uh, the article that I was reading, it described how this increase will better be able to absorb, refract, and reflect light in gaming and makes our games more immersive, more realistic. And these increases in processing power also mean that load times are supposed to virtually disappear. And that is going to have a huge effect on the games that we play. Games uh, have been designed for so long, um, that is, since they moved away from the cartridges of the SNES, the N64, around the game and asset loading times. And so if you get rid of loading times, you change the way that games are designed as well. If you've ever spent an extended amount of time in an elevator in Metal, Metal Gear, or ever run down a ridiculously long hallway while a side character spews exposition at you, all of that was done to allow the next stage or area of a game to load. And levels have been designed in a way 
to not give you direct line of sight in order to load and unload packets as was required to get the game loaded so you could play in a fully formed in a fully formed game. So along with a better aesthetic comes potentially a big change in the way games are designed and maybe even played. So that means that the Series X is going to easily outperform and outshine the 5, right? Most of the time, the bigger, badder teraflop system wins, but it isn't always the case. I'm going to quote uh, that Digital Trends article that I referenced earlier. Quote, Often, but not always. In fact, we have seen some GPUs with more teraflops that perform worse than those with fewer teraflops. For a general analogy, consider wattage. A floodlight and a spotlight may use the same wattage, but they behave in very different ways and have different levels of brightness. Likewise, real-world performance is dependent on things like structure the processor, frame buffers, core speed, and other important specifications. End quote. <laughs> and I don't know why I gave Digital Trends that accent. Um... But I can't take it back now. Well, sure I can. I could re-record it. I could re-edit it. I could make it, that, that voice never happen. But I'm not going to. <laughs> you know why? Because I liked it. And you did too. My history with uh, home video game consoles is as follows. We had an SNES when we were little. Our parents bought it for us. I mean... We played a Nintendo Entertainment System at my grandpa's, but we never had one. Uh, my brother had a Nintendo 64. I got the PlayStation. He got the GameCube. I bought a PlayStation 2 because it had a DVD player in it. Uh, he got the Wii the same time I got the 360. I also had a PS3. I have a PS4 now. Uh, I've also got an Xbox One, which I've mostly played on an Xbox console. Uh, ever since the Xbox 360. Uh, and of course, those amazing games that I have on the Nintendo Switch. But I'm, I consider myself, if I had to classify myself under one umbrella, it would be the Microsoft Xbox umbrella. I do not hide the fact that I am a Microsoft and Xbox fan. But I am also not militant in my admiration for the thing. There are definitely online factions of very passionate fans for both companies, Sony and Microsoft. What is hilarious about these factions is how they will rank the importance of a system specifics dependent upon whether or not it's on their system or not. And the example that I'm thinking of that I, I want to try and get out, to my, out of my brain to you is uh, processing power and how this current generation, the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, for most of it anyway, PlayStation fans have been beating Xbox fans over the head with the PlayStation being the more powerful or tech powerful of the two. And then those Xbox fans saying, well, power ain't everything, bub, and it's not an important factor for me. But if you fast forward to the internet today, as these upcoming system launches are coming out, 
the roles have been reversed. And now the Xbox fans are saying how powerful the Xbox is and it's unstoppable and it's the most important aspect. And Sony fans have dismissed it as not that important. I, I It was really just an aside. It had nothing to do with the technical components of the systems. I just think it's funny. And I guess if you were to take away anything from, from that small section is um, we're all hypocrites. <laughs> Coming into mo some more of the specifics, because I know Anthony asked me expressly, I did find a side-by-side -side comparison uh, based on the information that we have so far. The uh, Xbox Series X, they've got a, a weight of almost 10 pounds. There's no weight yet for the PlayStation 5. Uh, the dimensions are 15.1 centimeters by 15.1 centimeters by 30 0.1 centimeters of the Xbox Series X. Again, PlayStation 5 has not had a console reveal yet, so we don't know. The color of the new Xbox is going to be black. The PlayStation 5 is currently unknown. But we could make some assumptions based on some other releases that we've had here lately or some other announcements we've had here lately. As far as the uh, CPU, uh, it's a 3.8 gigahertz custom Zen 2 for the Xbox, uh, 3.5 gigahertz custom Zen 2 for the PlayStation 5. Uh, the GPU that I was just talking about with the uh, teraflops earlier, uh, the Xbox has 12 teraflops at 1.825 gigahertz RDNA 2. And the PlayStation 5 is 10.28 teraflops at 2.23 gigahertz. Uh, memory for the Xbox Series X is a GDDR6 at 16 gigabytes. Same for the PlayStation 5. Memory bandwidth for the Xbox Series X, 10 gigabytes at 560 gigabytes per second. And 6 gigabytes at 336 gigabytes per second. I don't know why there's that uh, breakdown there. Maybe someone that's more tech savvy can break it down for me. Anthony, if you know, maybe you could break it down for me. I'm kind of a dullard. And memory bandwidth for the PlayStation 5 is 448 gigabytes per second. Storage, uh, one terabyte custom NVMe solid state drive or SSD for the Xbox Series X and 825 gigabyte solid state drive or SSD for the PlayStation 5. I really am excited about the storage because uh, I saw on the Xbox, they showcased a port that you could plug in an extra solid state drive for memory. And the one that they showcased was a one terabyte, but I know they're gonna have more than a one terabyte. And so I'm waiting for that two or three terabyte solid state drive to just plug and play right in the back of that Xbox, have all kind of space so I can have more of my games installed and not have to download them when I think I want to play them. The optical drive for the Xbox, a 4K Blu-ray. Uh, there is an optical drive as well for the PlayStation 5. Do they play in 4K? Both of them, yes, they are. Uh, HDR, so far, the Xbox Series X uh, has said that they do. Uh, no word yet on the PlayStation 5, though I imagine it will as well. Uh, ports. HDMI, there's two HDMI ports on the Xbox, uh, USB 3.2, there's two ports for there, the Ethernet port, storage, uh, like we were talking about, that SSD and a power port, and the PlayStation includes USB and NVMe slot as well, 
Um, of course, it's going to have HDMI. It's of course it's going to have power as well. Online subscription on this, both unlisted connectivity, unlisted uh, price. There's no price listed for the Xbox. However, the PlayStation Five says it likely will be five hundred dollars. I would imagine that the Xbox price point will be somewhere around the same thing. If I, I can't I can't imagine them going $600 for a system. And like we said uh, in previous episodes, gaming so much now is about building an ecosystem. And would a company like Microsoft, even if they had to take a loss on a system release, would they do it in order just to get their system into more people's homes? So they could, at that point, you know, make money off of them in the long term by having them in that ecosystem. And both of these systems are going to be released around the holiday. So Sony and, and PlayStation 4 obviously very handily won this generation of the console war. Maybe we should call it a console battle because it's ongoing. The war could encompass the inciting shot that Atari made way back in the day. Uh, up until the sands of time erode away the last Wii U remote uh, <laughs> in this techless dystopian future that we so often predict. And though uh, Sony had its day, this, like I said, this generation, Sony's, a new chapter is being written and the canvas is blank. I realize I just used a literary uh, aphorism and then an artistic one as well. Xbox seems to be making up for their failures in terms of customer-friendly policies, new developers in their first-party ranks, and the most robust backwards compatibility announced for the next generation, for any console release. Microsoft has been buying up a lot of studios over the past couple years, as first-party and exclusive releases was an identified weak point for the company during this generation. They got, um, they got Ninja Theory, they got Double Fine, they got Obsidian, uh, and, and, and others. PlayStation 5, of course, is going to still have exclusives, no doubt. They're going to continue to release those stellar first-party games. We're probably going to get sequels to God of War, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, the Spider-Man game. The, the Spider-Man game for the PlayStation 4 was amazing, and then many more for them as well. I Although, you know... PlayStation 4 is good. They're just not latched on to that backwards compatibility in the same way that Xbox has embraced it. And I'm really excited about that backwards compatibility aspect of Xbox. Um, the new Series X is going to be able to play every title released on an Xbox console all the way back to the original Xbox. That is a monstrous library of games. One of the things I have always hated when I got a new console was the fact that all those games that I loved and played from the previous console were going into the box or into the bin, never to, never to grace my eyeballs again until, you know, we had to have a yard sale or something. I need a little extra Skrilla. But now that I own the majority of my collection digitally, not only am I excited about the new Xbox, but if I, if I leave them, I leave a marvelous library of games. So it would be in my best interest 
to stick around. Having a comprehensive backwards compatibility function on your system is not only very consumer friendly, but it is also incredibly business savvy too, because it keeps you playing in their sandbox, in their ecosystem. I, I may just be gushing at this point, but I really like that. I really like that feature. On the point of exclusivity though, is this is where my question comes in for you, Anthony. We often will buy a system because they're the one that has the next Halo or The Last of Us. And even though the number of third-party games that appear on all systems is staggering, this exclusivity is oftentimes the reason someone will choose one platform over the other. So if you could change anything about game exclusivity, what would it be? And how could the prospects of cross-platform play that is starting to gain some traction, lead to the end of console exclusive titles. And finally, why would this, in your eyes, be a good thing or a bad thing? Let me know. And as a reminder to anybody that's listening to this podcast, if you have a good answer to anything that I ask Anthony or Anthony asks me, please, please hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. Let us know what you're thinking. I don't, I don't care just what he is thinking. I need a lot of help sussing this out for myself as well. So any of your input is always, always appreciated. And I agree with you, Anthony, that these systems will release on time. These companies have spent too much on production and marketing and the hype for the next generation. Um, it's out of control. If this pandemic continues on through the holiday this year, I imagine they'll figure out some way to get your money and get those consoles in your hands. <laughs> like I said at the beginning, Anthony, I did have another topic planned for this podcast, but uh, I got a little carried away answering your question, I think. So hopefully I answered your question uh, with all that nonsense. Um, and also, yes, I will be buying a Series X this holiday season if I can get my hands on one. And uh, that reminds me, uh, at the time of this release, PlayStation has just revealed the PlayStation 5 controller. Anthony, did you see it? What'd you think? A lot of people are saying it looks like uh, homework borrowingly similar to the Xbox controller. <laughs> but that's it for the episode. So throw your headphones to the floor and make sure you check us out on Twitter and Facebook at CultureJack. If you like the episode and you want to hear more, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends, and tune in for the next episode. Culture Jack. Tech, games, movies, and more.